All right. One, two, three. Oh, shit. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I went to go adjust my mic and you're like, one, two, three. So, <laughs> that's gonna be like some weird wobbly thing. All I right. I want to slap it again. God, that sounds yes, sexual. Yes, let's, let's, <laughs> let's slap it again. Right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> One, two, three. All right. Um. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Hi. Welcome (laughs) to the Wrong Ask Me podcast. (laughs) This is Erica. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't talk. (laughs) We may have to start this again. This is Erica. I'm, um... <laughs> oh, no, I've got the giggles. We're so fucked. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, my God, I can't stop laughing. Would you like to say a special hello to anyone? I would to our number one and only fan. Scary, terrible. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> what? I can't even understand what you said. I said chirp, chirp. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. Oh, God. Oh, no. Today, we'll be discussing... Role playing by Kathy Yardley. Woo! At age forty-eight, Maggie has learned to embrace her inner bogwitch, possibly to the point of being detrimental to her mental and emotional well-being. Various people in her life are encouraging her to be more social and less of a hermit, but the one with the power to reach her is her son Kit. Based on Kit's quid pro quo logic, she finds herself joining an online guild where she can obtain loot, talk shit and potentially make friends, like with the guild leader Otter. Unbeknownst to Maggie, Otter, whose real-world name is Aiden, isn't a 20-something being nice to some woman old enough to be his mother, but instead a 50-year-old nurse taking care of his actual mother. Isolated from the very family he's helping, Aiden struggles to assert himself and fight for the life he wants. When they finally meet in person, their friendship grows. Can Maggie the Bogwitch give Aiden the confidence he needs so that he can tell his family to find another scapegoat for the things they don't like about their own lives and fuck right off? And in return, (laughs) can a playful otter (laughs) really fall in love with a grumbly old Bogwitch? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have content warnings for queerphobia, racism, and emotionally abusive exes. I'm trying really hard not to laugh. (laughs) We got off to a real good start. It's just that kind of day. (laughs) You can do it. Well, do you think Maggie is a victim of her own awesomeness? (laughs) Of her own awesomeness? Well, yes. Her ability to give zero fucks and do her own thing. Oh, but don't you see, Em? That's not good for her. Yes, I I appreciate that it is problematic. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's not good for her to give zero fucks and do her own thing because she's not happy about it. <laughs> if she if she were the type of person who is like, yep, that's me. I am embracing my inner bog witch and you can't do anything about it. And I love myself. That would be one thing. But she is not that person. Well, then what kind of person is she? Do explain. I think in a lot of ways, she's taken on this bog witchy persona to protect herself. It's a defense mechanism. Yes. Yeah, in a way, it's good for her and that, I mean, she doesn't give very many fucks, if any, and she does want to do her own thing, but she also has a very sensitive, tender underbelly. She's like a hedgehog. Small, <laughs> cute, and spiky on the outside. Maggie is a recent empty nester. Her one and only child, Kit, has gone off to college. And Maggie is now living alone, trying to deal, and not dealing very well. Yeah, because she has no food in her house. Didn't she eat, like, tuna with mustard? <laughs> so she's like, it's time to go shopping. Yes, it's so gross. And when she goes out shopping, she looks like a troll, apparently, wearing raggedy, baggy, questionably clean clothing. Her hair maybe got brushed. We don't know. I think she did shower before she left, so there is that. Yay, that is important. And she runs into Deb, who is the town's peppy extrovert. <laughs> Among other things. And Deb is also a recent empty nester. Her child is Kit's best friend. He actually didn't go to college, but he moved out with his girlfriend. And then Deb had just recently gotten divorced. Yes, more recently, because I think, was it Maggie's was like five years ago? Yeah. And Deb's was like year-ish? Yeah, in the past year. Deb, I think, bravely tries to entice Maggie to <laughs> join in with uh, all the social engagements that she's got going on. She has a book club. She has parties. Deb is single and ready to mingle. She doesn't understand someone like Maggie who's single and ready to be a hermit. Do you feel like Deb is doing this for Maggie or do you think Deb is doing this for Deb? Oh, dude, Deb is projecting hard. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that she's doing it for Deb, but I think she's projecting her own woes onto Maggie. I don't know that Deb is really a bad person. I mean, she's kind of framed as a bad person in this book because Maggie is supremely annoyed by her. Yeah. And there are a couple places where Deb severely oversteps, but I don't know. She just seems like the regular small town extroverted busybody to me. I don't know. I just I feel bad for Deb. I kind of do, too. She's trying hard. Honestly, I may be jumping the gun here and, like, spoiling before we're going to spoil it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but poor Deb gets manipulated by Aiden's mom. Oh, yeah. Hard. So hard. Yeah. She's just trying to do what she's being encouraged to do, and it blows up in her face. And I just want to grab her and shake her and be like, who are you trying to be? And who are you trying to be this for? I feel like the author could give Deb a redemption story for sure. Maybe this will be a series? 
I don't know, but the two main characters in this book have so many problems. Yes. And Deb really doesn't differ. Hers are just different. Yeah. <laughs> she still has all the problems. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she needs to go online and kill things. Yeah. Maybe that'll give her an outlet. <laughs> so Maggie and Deb have a conversation in the middle of the grocery store. I'm picturing Maggie like crouching behind her basket, hissing and making claw hands. <laughs> and I picture Deb standing there wearing like a knit twin set and a pearl necklace, just being so sweet. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. And oblivious. And I can't have a hair out of place because then people might think that there's something wrong with me. Yep, yep. Uh, Maggie manages to escape and she goes home with her groceries. <laughs> and that's her introduction to Maggie. And she... <sighs> I love Maggie. I feel it. I love the Bogwitch persona. I'm here for it. But underneath all that, she's just this big old mess. Yeah. She got divorced five years ago. Her ex-husband was at the very, very least, at my most kindest, emotionally unavailable to her. To be fair, like we talked about this pre-podcast a little, like you get the sense that it was a really unhappy home for a while, but you don't know how unhappy and maybe emotionally abusive, but it's not quite settled in the story. And then Kit, Maggie's kiddo, Maggie's grown adult son, kind of takes more after Maggie than he does after his dad, personality-wise and looks-wise and everything. And Maggie's ex-husband just doesn't seem to have a relationship with his son and hasn't had for basically his entire life. And has made it clear that he didn't want one. Yeah, even when they were married and living together and all that. And Maggie has built up almost like a protective callus, I would say, in regards to her kid. Yeah. And also in regards to her whole personality. Like, she didn't measure up and supposedly her kid didn't measure up and she's not buying it. Her kid's awesome. So fuck off, world. Yeah. She's also worried about her kid because she doesn't want him to... Be a sad, lonely hermit like herself. Because she is secretly a sad, lonely hermit. <laughs> yeah. It's just a big old mess. It's the whole, like, she wants better for her kid than she does for herself. Yeah, don't we all? So then it starts this arrangement of, you need to go out and be social. Well, so do you. So they make a pact to make endeavors towards being more social. I think she calls him to check in on him because he's away at college and she doesn't want to be the overprotective mother, but she kind of secretly is in her head at least because she wants Kit to be social. She agrees she'll be social herself instead of being a hypocrite. And she decides she's going to go to that book club meeting that Deb mentioned at the grocery store <laughs> in spite of herself. Picks her. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Kit says. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get introduced to Aiden. He is the hero of the story. He recently moved to the same small town in which Maggie lives to take care of his dad, who later dies of 
cancer pre-story. And now he's trying to take care of his mother, his evil mother. Yeah. His evil asshole of a mother. (laughs) Yeah. When we first get introduced to their dynamic, you think, oh, it's not that bad. She's just cranky because her husband died and she's failing. Yeah, like her health is failing. On some level, she seems to be aware of it. Aiden has told her that her car is broken so that she won't drive and she kind of suspects that he's just not letting her drive and that bothers her and she doesn't like that Aiden is doing stuff for her even though she needs him to do stuff for her. So at first I was prepared to feel bad for her. I was prepared for it to be some sort of misunderstanding or, oh, she's going to grow and learn and change. No, uh-uh. No, she is an asshole for the whole book. I think she gets worse. Yeah, she does. <laughs> I was like, oh, new layer. All right. <laughs> so, uh, hers is not a learning journey. No. Aiden has also done some grocery shopping and he's trying to put stuff away while his mother is berating him. She's mad that, well, like I said, that he's helping her. She's mad that her car isn't working and she's implying that it's his fault that it's not fixed, which I guess technically it is because he took the spark plugs out on purpose. Yeah, so she didn't kill people (laughs) and or herself. And she's implying that Aiden's younger brother, Davey, could do so much better and all that. But Davey conveniently lives far away with his wife and doesn't ever visit. So... <laughs> yes, because their family dynamic is a little weird. So it's like, well, if we never interact, then we never have to experience the weirdness. I guess. Davey gets to go live in La La Land while Aiden and the mother are just circling each other. In some sort of death spiral. <laughs> yeah, and this driving thing is a big plot point because there's a family wedding coming up. I think it's Aiden's cousin or something. He needs to drive his mother to the wedding, and she's like, No, you're going to the wedding too, and you need to bring a date. They kind of fight back and forth about it, and then Aiden agrees finally that he'll bring a date if his mom will agree to then have some of these hard conversations that she's been avoiding, such as her driving, uh, medical power of attorney, creating a will, (laughs) those things, end of life things. Important things. Yes. Things you should discuss with your loved ones. Yes. Because as William Shatner says, we're all going to (laughs) die. So Aiden doesn't date. Aiden is 50 years old. He's had two relationships in his life. Both of them were like 20 plus years ago. And he has had zero interest in dating, which is totally fine. And his mom seems to think this is a big problem because Davey is married to Aiden's ex-girlfriend. Ex-fiance, I think. Yes. Aiden has never dated since they broke up. And... As a result of that, people will talk, and that would be terrible. There must be something wrong with him if he's not dating and getting married and popping out babies and whatnot. And it also gives the impression that he hasn't moved on and that there's strife within the family, which there is strife within the family, but it's not because he hasn't moved on. (laughs) 
And I think you didn't emphasize that correctly, M, because it's not because he hasn't moved on. Correct. It's because someone else hasn't moved on. Very correct. Yes. <laughs> so I guess I'll just spoil some of this now, because why not, right? You need the background. Yes. Aiden dated Cheryl in high school, and they were high school sweethearts, and it was lovely and cute and wonderful. And then they broke up because they went to college in different places. When Aiden was in college, he dated Jordan, I think his name was. Yes. Who was his college roommate. And it kind of just took him by surprise. And they fell in love and had a lovely, wonderful, beautiful relationship until Aiden wanted to come out of the closet and be public and everything. And Jordan did not. And so they broke up. And then later, Aiden and Cheryl met again, rekindled their romance, and everything was wonderful, supposedly, except it turns out that Cheryl's wants for her life were a little different than Aiden's. Originally, she had wanted to move away and do all this stuff. Now she just wants to live close to her family and take on the family business and all that. And Aiden wasn't interested in that. But that's not the big problem. The big problem is that Aiden told her about his prior relationship with Jordan and Cheryl could not handle that Aiden had been in a relationship with a man. I think she accused him of leading her on and being secretly gay the whole time or something. And it was just really horrible and nasty. And they broke up over that. And then Cheryl and Aiden's brother Davey got together and have children and are happy-ish? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know about those two. I have some doubts, but we're told that they're happy. But Cheryl is another asshole in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Who really isn't redeemed at all. She's just an asshole. Yeah, I didn't feel like she was redeemed. I mean, we got an explanation, but I don't feel like it redeems her. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. So Aiden... As a result of all this, he's come to the conclusion that he's the one with the problem. Because everybody keeps using him as a scapegoat, so he feels like he's the problem. Yeah, it's not his mom or his ex or his brother who are the problems. No, no, it's him. Yep. Because how dare he like men and women? How dare he be who he is? How rude and inconvenient. It's very inconvenient for these church-going people. Um, That's a major plot point. Mm -hmm. It's all about what will the people at church say. Yes, because his mother is very concerned with that. And that's also why she promotes Deb as, don't you want to take out Deb? Isn't Deb such a nice girl? I just think Deb's probably like cracking under the surface. Just nobody can tell. I think so, too. But yeah, Aiden's mom and Deb are church friends they are in the same social circle and deb kind of has a thing for aiden she thinks he's hot and everything and aiden's mom has been kind of pointing her his way Mm -hmm. trying to set them up so helpful and aiden just isn't interested nope and he feels i think kind of broken inside because he's really only been sexually attracted to two people ever cheryl and jordan and that's it and unfortunately this didn't go so well Yeah, when he broke up with Cheryl, he figured, well, I guess that was it for me. (laughs) Just could be single and alone all my life. 
But I don't know that he's really upset about being single and alone. I think he's more upset about thinking there's something wrong with him. Yeah. So Maggie goes to the book club. It's kind of a disaster. Yeah, unfortunately, she makes something that's a little too spicy for the local palates. I guess it's important to say Maggie is, um, she's half Vietnamese and half white. Is it important to say at this point? I guess because of the cuisine. Even though she didn't really get to experience her Vietnamese heritage too much growing up, she likes to experiment with the cuisine now, and she likes a bit of spice. Yeah, culturally, she identifies more with the food from Vietnam than she does other foods, because that's her mother's heritage. And her mom... Oh, God. Okay, so Maggie's parents died, I think, like, in a car accident or something. And Maggie was raised by her grandmother on her dad's side. Yes, her southern grandmother. Who is another fucking asshole. Yeah, she's not a great lady. A, a racist asshole, not not just an asshole. <laughs> Specific kind of asshole. We're told that Maggie was basically encouraged to just pretend she didn't have an Asian heritage whatsoever. Oh, it's too bad you didn't inherit the blue eyes and such. You know, it's just gross, nasty, awful. So I guess that kind of is another reason she's so prickly. Yeah. It wasn't just the ex-husband. She had that before. And then the ex-husband kind of built on it. Yeah, it's these people that are supposed to care about her while simultaneously saying, this part of you sucks, or it's insufficient. That's a major theme in this story, I think, uh, for both of the main characters. It's like, oh, the way you are isn't good enough. <laughs> yes, <laughs> It's not to our liking. Can you just be different? <laughs> or should or should I say, can you be the same as us, is what it <laughs> really is. Can you be more acceptable to my sensibilities, please? No, no, I cannot. <laughs> And they've reacted in two different ways because Maggie's become more prickly, pulled away from everyone, and Aiden has become more... People-pleasy. Yeah, people-pleasy. If only I try harder, <laughs> things will be better. Sadly, you cannot try hard enough. Unfortunately, that bar will always be out of your reach. Because it keeps moving. Yep. Because they don't want you to reach it because that keeps their controlling of you. Yes. All right, back at the book club, Maggie is there. It's kind of a disaster. She doesn't get along with the other ladies. There's a lot of gossipiness. There's a lot of single middle-aged ladies ready to spread their wings and try dating and all that. And Maggie is just not here for it. She doesn't want to dress up. She doesn't want to appeal to the male gaze. She doesn't want to start dating. She doesn't want to gossip. She just... <laughs> They're not her people. She wants to sit in her comfies and play a role-playing game online, okay? That's really what she wants. She is not finding community when she goes to these things. Mm-mm. There is one, one gal there, Clara, who is also quiet and reaches out to Maggie a little bit. And they have a nice conversation about Maggie trying to get out into the world more and about how her son's kind of worried about her and whatnot. And 
Clara finds out that Maggie likes online gaming and she's like, oh, one of the ladies at church has a son who goes to the community college and he has a guild. Maybe you'd like to join that guild. And Maggie says, oh, yeah, maybe. They get interrupted and Deb starts talking about her football party the following weekend. Of course, we'll see you there. Right, Maggie? Right? 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 You're coming, right? (laughs) Don't bring spicy food, though. I know. I kind of felt bad because, like, I have a pretty low tolerance for spicy food. So I'm like, ooh, that's rough. But I don't know. It just seems to me that if you take a bite of something and it's too spicy for you, you don't need to bad talk it. No, you don't. Because it's not the food. It's just your tolerance for spice. And I say that as someone who likes zero spice in my mouth ever. It's no burny feeling for me. <laughs> my tolerance is low, but I think yours is actually lower than mine. Just uh, yeah, something. no. I'm pretty <laughs> sure mine is the lowest of the low. But I would never, I would never bad talk someone's cuisine, ever. Like, if they made a oh. food and brought it to a party, I would never. They put in effort to cook. Yeah, I'd just be guzzling some milk. Mm-hmm. It'd be fine, <laughs> eventually. Just take an antacid, it's fine. Back to Aiden. He is out with his old high school buddy, Riley. He's reconnected with Riley since he's moved back to town. And he doesn't really consider Riley like a close friend, but he's really all he has. <laughs> Which is just yeah. so bad. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm friends because it's convenient for me. He is talking to Riley about how he has to find a date for this wedding. And Riley, he gets around. He likes the ladies. What can I say? Um, But he doesn't seem like a bad guy, really. He's just kind of very much a bro. Yes. He has no trouble finding a date. He has no trouble finding someone to sleep with. And Aiden thinks he's the perfect person to get advice from because that's all he needs. He just needs a date for this wedding. He doesn't want anything serious. But unfortunately, Riley kind of explains things to him in that they're always going to want something serious, though. You can't invite a woman to a wedding and then expect her not to want something serious. Because all women think the same. (laughs) It's hard to say because Aiden doesn't really have any female friends at this point in the story. No. I think if he had a female friend and asked her to the wedding, then that'd be fine. Yeah, I, I think, think so. having a first date be to your <laughs> yes family member's wedding, that's a bit much. That's a tall ask for somebody. Yeah, because even if that is not what is on the table, everybody else is going to think that it is and will treat the couple as such. Yeah, it's just not, it's not okay. <laughs> no, that's a lot. So maybe not every woman would think, oh, yeah, this is relationship But I think a lot of people, women and otherwise, might be a little turned off by having a first date at a family wedding. <laughs> yeah. Hi, we don't know each other. Let's go meet my family. This will be awkward. Yep. Riley suggests that Aiden go to Deb's football party to meet some ladies. Maybe he'll find a date there. Why not Deb? She just wants to be somebody's girlfriend so badly. Or somebody's something. I don't know. I mean, she does seem to be attracted to Aiden. Yeah, I wonder about that, too. Because, again, his mother is in her ear sort of feeding that fire. 
So I wonder True. how much of it is her genuine attraction to him and her getting help. That is a good point, because if you're told, oh, so-and-so likes you, then maybe you look upon them more favorably. Mm-hmm. You're just so-and-so's type. Okay. Because, again, the, the mother later, like, makes the comparison, like, Deb's like Cheryl. They're the same sort of person. They'd get along. Mm-hmm. Oh, the funny thing, though, is while Aiden is out talking to Riley, he's not there by himself. His mom is sitting at another table... <laughs> With, like, a gaggle of church ladies. Yes. So he's still carting her around and doing everything she wants without any thank yous. And kind of has to <laughs> just fit his life in on the side. Mm-hmm. And then when his mom's ready to go, they get in the car and she gives him a scrap of paper with someone's information on it. Saying, oh yeah, Clara gave this to me. Apparently there's someone who wants to play that video game. Some poor housebound lady. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. They must be older than me. So this is where we get the misunderstandings. So Aiden invites Maggie to his guild. Aiden's screen name is Otter. Maggie's screen name is Bogwitch because she has a lot of feelings about being a woman gaming online and she's very protective of herself <laughs> and she's like do not hit on me i am a horrible person and i hate everyone and i'm old i'm so old you don't even know how old i am i'm so old they meet in the guild hall there's otter who's the guild leader some of his friends from the community college who are younger otter's old business partner and bestie and then Bogwitch, and they all kind of shoot the shit a little bit, and it goes over really well. But there is this misconception about the ages, because Bogwitch immediately says something like, I'm old enough to be your mom, I'm old enough to be your grandmother, that type of thing. And since she thinks Otter, the guild leader, is a community college student, she's thinking someone her son's age. Yeah. Meanwhile, Otter is thinking, well, my mom gave me this person's info. <laughs> and then they're saying they're old. They're probably my mom's age. Yes. Yeah, this is probably an 80-year-old person. But Bogwitch kicks ass, takes names. She's a rockin' tank. And she fits in really well in the group. It's a good outlet for her. She's been wanting to go online and kill things. She appreciates that the... Guys in the guild are respectful. She'd been a part of other guilds who were not as respectful. Yeah, like she tests them first before she like agrees to join. Like she shows up with one of her lower level characters that I think, right, is like a weird build. She's like, let's just see what they say. Yeah, she shows up like a total newbie trying to see what they would do. How would they handle someone in that situation? Yeah, and I mean, there's a little little hostility but nothing nothing extreme nothing beyond what she would expect or feels like she can't handle right and i wouldn't even classify it as hostility i would say more just like kind of playfulness like teasing yeah like i don't think anyone's actually grumpy not too much i think there was like certain things where they were like afraid of being inconvenienced but then chilled 
Yeah, but that makes sense, you know? Yeah, in the context, it makes sense. So we get some points where they game a few times, things go great. Bogwitch and Otter become friendly online. They actually chat outside of the game occasionally. Don't they, like, watch a movie or two or something? Yeah, I think they, like, live comment movies together and stuff. I don't know. It's an online friendship. Oh, and there is also this sweet part. I think it's the second time Bogwitch plays with the guild that she shows up with one of her level 100 characters and has all this awesome loot and she gives it out to the different guild members and she's really nice and everything. Yes. Oh, and then there's also a point where Maggie tells Kit about the guild too. See, look, I'm being social. This counts, right? (laughs) What are you doing that's social? (laughs) She also doesn't really want to pry, but she's concerned and Kit isn't really forthcoming. Yeah, he hasn't been really open with her about life at college. And so I think she's just fearing the worst or whatever. Finally, Aiden is sick of Davy's shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what it is. Yeah. Because he's the one who lives nearby his mom, taking care of her in spite of all her horribleness. And all he hears in his ear all the time, every day is, well, Davy is so much better and Davy could do this. And why don't you get Davy to do this? And it's just so hard for him to listen to that. And then meanwhile, anytime he tries to text or call or contact Davy in any way, nothing. He gets radio silence. So he decides he's going to drive out three hours or whatever to go talk to him and corner him face to face. Yeah, fair enough. He does get to have a conversation with his brother, but it's not very satisfying because Davy doesn't want to help. (laughs) It seems to be the case. I don't think he gets it, but yeah, I don't think he wants to help. And I wonder if that's because of drama with the wife, some part of it. I thought it was because even though he's the golden child, he realizes his mom is a piece of shit and doesn't want anything to do with her. Maybe he doesn't want that turned on him. He wants to keep being the golden child. And if he's the one that's there telling her, no, you can't do this, then he's the asshole. He wants somebody else to be that. This whole visit is real messed up because Aiden shows up at their house and Cheryl is at the door first and she just doesn't want to have anything to do with him and treats him like he's a piece of garbage and doesn't want him to interact with her kids, aka his nibblings. Yeah. And then Davy just kind of lets that all happen and doesn't, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, that's just how she is. You know how things are. She's (laughs) just like that with you. So Davy agrees that he will come down after the wedding to help out and Aiden's like that's two months away and Davy's like sorry that's what I can do (sighs) Aiden is at the end of his rope I think he feels like he's just barely hanging on to sanity (laughs) and so he drives back three hours to deal with his mom alone now it is time for Deb's football party Maggie shows up and at first she's like, oh, I'll be here for at least an hour. That should be good enough, right? But (laughs) it really doesn't go well again. What? 
<laughs> She's in the kitchen and it just goes back to dating and Deb starts going, oh, well, I'll help Maggie start dating again. And Maggie's like, I'm out. I can't <laughs> deal with this. Are you asking Maggie if she wants this help? <laughs> <laughs> At this point in the story, I got the impression that Deb was feeling pressure from other people to basically take care of those around her. I think so. Maggie is your responsibility. She's your friend. You need to show that you care. You need to fix Maggie. You need to help her be socially acceptable in XYZ way or whatever. Yeah. Like I said, I think we could get a good story about Deb. I agree. I think she needs to go online and kill things. I'd be curious to see that version of Deb come out of her shell. Yeah. The less perfect Deb. Mm-hmm. Maggie nopes out of the party pretty quickly, and she goes back to the bedroom to get her coat. And while there, she sees a man petting the dog that she was intending to pet. And so she just leaves. The man petting the dog is Aiden, who has also come to the party in hopes of finding a date. He also doesn't really have much fun at this party. <laughs> Not only is there Deb at this party, but there's also Deb's cousin Patience, I think her name is, who hmm. seems to be a total pot stirrer. Is this, is she named Patience because we're supposed to have Patience with her or so that she tries our Patience? I thought maybe it was, like, an ironic name choice <laughs> on the part of the author. <laughs> Let's name the drama llama Patience. <laughs> Riley is there, too, and, of course, he immediately is like, So, everyone, Aiden needs a date to his cousin's wedding. <laughs> Who wants to date him? <laughs> I really think he genuinely thinks he's being helpful. I do too, which is why it's horrifying. <laughs> oh, you think that's what help looks like? Yee. Don't help me. Ever. Yeah, stop helping me, please. Yeah. Aiden isn't enjoying the, I don't know, the flirtiness, the overtures from Deb and also kind of from Patience too. It icks him out. He doesn't like it. He's not into it. He has zero interest in Deb. He's horrified at the thought of <laughs> of even attempting a date with Deb. <laughs> he nopes out of the party pretty quickly as well. I want to run away. Run away. Yes. And so instead of staying at the football party, both Aiden and Maggie end up meeting up as their online aliases and gaming together. <laughs> Aiden is back at his mom's house trying to help her out. I guess she had these built-ins that his dad built for her and one of the shelves broke and she insists that Aiden is the one to fix it. She doesn't want to hire a handyman to fix it. She wants her tool-deficient son, Aiden, to <laughs> fix it instead. Aiden is a geeky guy he's not a fix-it guy <laughs> he's struggling a little bit with it poor buddy the whole time he's working on this shelf his mom is just bitching at him like people talk and you haven't dated anyone since cheryl and why don't you date deb and oh <laughs> hate it hate it yeah oh and also like Davy could do it better than you. 
She is a piece of work. Yeah, she is just awful. And she doesn't get any better, guys. She gets worse. Yes. I haven't even told you all of it yet. (laughs) She gets so much worse. So Aiden thinks the shelf is fixed, but it's not. And it falls on his foot and injures him. Back to Maggie. She's having a little bit of an introspection moment. She really likes Otter a lot, but she also thinks he's probably max 20 years old. And she's really concerned about that. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot be into a 20 year old. I am 48 for crying out loud. This is not good. This is icky. (laughs) She ends up messaging one of her other online friends who she's never met in real life, but has been friends with for 15 years for advice and gets permission to have a platonic friendship with someone that much younger than her. (laughs) Is she worried about like the age difference or about the power dynamic by virtue of the potential age difference? I'm not sure exactly what she's worried about, but I guess she feels kind of attracted. She's worried about the attraction she feels to the mind of this person she thinks is 20? Is that what it is? I interpret it as she really starts liking him platonically, but she's worried about the perception because she feels the ick factor. All right, maybe that's what it is. Like, she doesn't want it to look bad. I would have liked a little bit more about her motivations there. I get that that's quite the age difference for a non-platonic relationship. And I get that it could be quite the age difference for just a friendship, too. Yeah. But she's definitely feeling an ick, which makes you think she's feeling some sort of attraction. Yes. Because why else would she be feeling the ick, right? Yep. At any rate, after that conversation with her other online friend, she hears from Otter, aka Aiden, he he tells her that he hurt his foot and he asks her to lead the guild run because he doesn't think he's going to be able to do it because of his foot. This makes Maggie worried about him. She is like, is anyone taking care of you? Like, do you live with your mom? Is she taking care of you? Does she want another kid to take care of? Is that? <laughs> I think it was a friendly thing. I- I'm pulling my mom brain out. All right. <laughs> Being a mom. Yes. Let me try to relate here. It's difficult, but here I go. All right. So I could see being friends with someone who's around your kid's age. And because of that, you also feel a bit protective of that person. Like maternal. Yeah. Like you would toward your own kid. Yeah. Okay. So, So in a friend way, but like her mom brain came out. She's thinking, my son is this age. Oh my gosh, what would I want if he had a hurt foot? Yeah. I think that's where she's coming from. And I think that's why she asked, oh, are you living with your mom? Is your mom taking care of you? That type of thing. Otter, of course, says, oh, it's complicated, but I'll be fine. And then she offers to bring him lunch. She'd been working on making lunch anyway. He agrees. He says that sounds great. She's having second thoughts almost immediately. And I think it's related again to this whole ick that she's feeling. Yeah. But then there's another part of her that's thinking, well, 
Maybe it's good because once he sees me, he won't be attracted to me at all because I'm so much older than him and it'll just fizzle out on its own that way. So maybe it'll be fine. We're inoculating ourselves against (laughs) any future shenanigans. Otter texts her his address. She goes on over to his house. And when she gets there, there's a note on the door saying, come on in. I'm in the shower. And she goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes inside this strange person's house, gets in their kitchen, and she starts... (laughs) She's like, what am I doing here? (laughs) This is a strange man's house. He's naked here in the shower right now. Yeah. And then I love the thought, Dexter was a teen or was like Uh a young person. I'm like, well, Dexter did have a system. He didn't just kill willy nilly. (laughs) Oh, that makes it so much better. (laughs) It should provide her with some level of comfort. Unless she's, you know, (laughs) she's one of the criminals he feels inclined to kill. Well, we don't know what (laughs) Otter's system might be, though. This is true. (laughs) He calls out, Boggy, is that you? And when she doesn't answer immediately, he starts sounding a little worried. (laughs) So she does answer. She starts getting set up in the kitchen. She sends a safety check to her friend. I'm at this address. If I don't make our phone date tonight, call the cops. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That won't concern her friend. When Otter, aka Aiden, is out of the shower and he comes into the kitchen, clothed, okay, mind you, Mm -hmm. she sees he's a full-grown 50-year-old dude. (laughs) She grabs the cast iron skillet, brandishing it like a weapon, and she's like, Who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) oh to his credit he's like yep that's you that's boggy (laughs) so they have a nice chat where he tries to ease her into a sense of calm convince her that he is in fact otter she does start to come down and then she gets a phone call from the friend who's terrified for her like, get out of that house! <laughs> <laughs> it was a great conversation. I was like, I can imagine you and I having a similar conversation. Yeah, yeah. How dare you send me a safety check like that? <laughs> On the spur of the moment like that? And not expect me to call you? You expect me to wait till six? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. It's very funny. <laughs> But they realize they are actually of an age, and she is not an elderly crone, and he is not a young boy. (laughs) So that's good. (laughs) Yay. He is kind of attracted to her, which is really shocking to him, because he's been attracted to literally two people in his life. Yay, number three. (laughs) Third Third time's time's a charm. She's also attracted to him, and she kind of inadvertently lets him know it, too. (sighs) Well, I figured we'd meet and you wouldn't be interested, but look at you. You're all 50 years old and hot. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) So they agree they can still be friends. She's still going to stay in the guild. 
He asks her to stay over, watch a movie, which she does, and they kind of lay out new boundaries. Is it okay if we still text? Is it okay if we still hang out? And Maggie is okay with it, but she still kind of wants to keep it mostly online. Um, We'll see how that works out for her. (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Also, Maggie is still being a caring friend to him, even though he's no longer 20 something in her mind. She still wants to help him out. She realizes he has no food in the house. (laughs) She can kind of relate. Oh, were you reduced to eating tuna from a can with (laughs) mustard too? So they make plans, I think, for the next day that she'll take him grocery shopping and also buy groceries for his mom because he's responsible for that. It's just really sweet. Before she leaves, she says something like, I've got your back. And she really, really does. Yeah. She truly does throughout the whole rest of the book. She's like, yep, I got your back. You're one of my peeps. And this is really immensely comforting to Aiden because he has basically no one. <laughs> yeah he has his one bestie who lives far away and has a family and is busy and then he has riley who means well (laughs) and that's literally it oh what a compliment he means well the next morning when maggie picks him up to go grocery shopping he tells her that deb had gone grocery shopping for his mom and offered to go grocery shopping for him too and take care of him cook for him clean his house help him get around help him in the shower etc <laughs> and it's just really squicky and aiden really struggles with laying down those boundaries so while he wasn't interested and he did say he wasn't interested and he already had someone helping him with stuff. He struggles to lay down a hard no. And Maggie kind of chuckles at this in a way. She's like, oh, don't worry, I'll protect you. Which she does. (laughs) She's got his back, and she's going to protect him. What do you think (laughs) about this? Do you feel like he should have told her no? Told Deb no? Uh Uh-huh. Well, he did tell her no. But you know what I mean? Like, But he was nice about it. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to blame the victim. I think if you tell someone no, and then someone railroads you, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Plus, again, she's got his mom going like, keep pursuing this. Yeah, I think Deb was definitely, I mean, Deb does some questionable things, and we're going to get to that pretty soon here. But I think she was definitely in the wrong in how actively she's pursuing Aiden. I think that a gentle no is still a no. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciated how the roles were reversed in this story because so often it's a woman telling a man a gentle no and him not listening. And in this case, it was the opposite. And we still had like that same icky predatory feeling. And I thought the author did a good job with that. Yeah. Aiden is definitely the one who needs protecting in this story. He is a soft, lovable marshmallow and has no... He's an otter. Yeah, he has no spikes whatsoever, but luckily Maggie has spikes to spare. (laughs) So they're well suited, you know? They are. Uh, When they get back from the grocery store, Maggie's putting away his food, getting him set up for stuff, and then all of a sudden... There is a knock at the door and Aiden is like, oh shit. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. (laughs) 
Maggie's like, don't worry, I'll go answer the door. And it's Deb. She's brought a lasagna. She's like, oh, Maggie, you're here. Why why are you here? (laughs) You don't like people. (laughs) Normally you are right. (laughs) But Aiden isn't people. She's a little snide. She She's a little like, oh, well, since you don't really like doing this stuff, I'll just take over. It'll be fine. And Maggie's like, yeah, no, bye. <laughs> don't worry about Aiden. He's my friend. It'll be fine. It's very funny because <laughs> I think <laughs> Deb is just so shocked. Yeah. And I think she assumed she was just going to come on in with her lasagna and make Aiden let her take care of him. And I kind of suspect that if Maggie hadn't been there, that would have happened. Hmm. I don't know that Aiden would have told her to go away. I think he would have just submitted. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, well, she's so nice. It's like, hmm. It doesn't mean it's okay. Yes, it's sometimes how it gets presented because of how women are socialized, but that still doesn't mean it's not gravy. Yep. So now they're hanging out pretty much daily in person because he needs help and Maggie <laughs> wants to help him. And they're great friends. They're basically besties now. Platonic besties. Woo Unfortunately... <laughs> It's now the weekend, and Maggie isn't there this time. Uh Uh-oh. And Deb invited herself over and organized a football party at Aiden's house. And he just kind of let it happen. Yeah. He let her in. He let all the other people in. And then he's just miserable. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'm talking about with Deb and her overstepping. I thought that was intense. Why in the fuck would you think that's okay? And that that is just not okay in any circumstance. Maybe she felt like she was auditioning. She felt that they were closer than they were. Don't make excuses for Deb. No, no, I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but it's still not okay like to host a party at someone else's house without their permission. Yeah, I agree. That's really fucked. She has no idea what his life is. The plans he could have had. You know what I mean? Like, to just jump in and be like, I'm going to take over your world. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. Aiden is feeling in distress, and he texts Maggie and asks for a rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Save me. And Maggie's like, yeah, I'll come rescue you ostensibly it's because she's having internet problems and he needs to fix her internet for her but come on it's really because he needs a rescue (laughs) (laughs) come be my knight in shining armor yeah i think that's great maggie comes over while the party's in full swing deb's like oh hi maggie (laughs) what are you doing here And then Aiden gets up to go and he kind of winces a little bit because of his foot. And Deb runs over to him and is like, do you need something? And he says, oh, I have to go. (laughs) I promised Maggie I'd help her with her internet. (laughs) 
And then Deb is like, what? You're actually leaving? (laughs) Do you not understand that you're giving me something I never asked for? (laughs) It's pretty crazy. And then he goes, oh, hold on, Maggie. Let me go get some ibuprofen before we leave. And as he's in the kitchen getting his meds, he's got Riley there talking to him. And he's like, who's that lady? (laughs) And he explains, oh, that's Maggie, the woman I told you about. Bogwitch, my online gaming friend. And Riley's like, oh. But then he starts bad-mouthing her. He says, the name is on the nose, Bogwitch. Yeah. And then he says, this was nasty. So Riley says, quote, but I bet with some makeup and maybe some clothes that, okay, I'm lying. You can't even tell what her body looks like. She's swimming in that shit. How's a guy supposed to know what he's dealing with when a woman wears that? Ew. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Maggie overhears and she just pipes right up. She's like, I know, right? What was <laughs> I thinking? It's like I'm doing it on purpose or something. <laughs> it's like your opinion doesn't dictate my life. <laughs> and then Riley tries to apologize and stuff and she's like, no worries. I literally don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so hilarious. It's really frustrating, though, because then Deb comes back and she's like, I'm sure Maggie can deal without the internet for the weekend. (sighs) Aiden's like, um, no, she uses it for her job. And I have her back because she's my bestie. So he's got her back, too. I'm like, seriously, who can go without the internet for a weekend anymore? Dude, right? I can't go for a minute without the internet, (laughs) I swear. More than a minute. But yeah, like an entire weekend? I don't know. If it was necessary, I probably could. I've gone a time period without the internet, but it was planned. You know, like I went and vacationed in a cabin next to a river, for example. Yes, you know, so you, you take things. Yes, I had books. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Now Aiden is at Maggie's house. He's fixing her internet. Turns out that the router got fried because when Kit moved to college, she took out the surge protector that it was plugged into and then plugged it just into the wall. And then there was a power surge and oops, there it goes. Maggie shares a little bit about her history, like her ex and what it was like raising her son with him and i don't know just gives him the impression that was pretty shitty and then she doesn't really want to talk about herself anymore because she finds it depressing and she asks about him and he's like yeah no i haven't made too many disastrous romantic decisions today well it's kind of funny um He says that he doesn't really talk about it very much to anyone, but then he decides he's going to talk about it with her. And so he tells her he has trouble with sex. And then he clarifies and says, not with doing the sex, but with wanting to do the sex. Yeah, he opens up. Yeah. And so she's like, so you're asexual or something? And he's like, "Uh, what? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) But then he opens up some more about his romantic past. She hears about Cheryl, a little bit about Cheryl, not the whole story. She hears about Jordan. 
she's like, oh, are you bi, pan, or I don't know. Like, I guess you don't have to label or anything. Sorry for doing that. And then he continues with the story and just basically, so I've only been attracted to two people in my life, essentially. And then she says, oh, it sounds like maybe you're demisexual, which the way she explains it is that you don't really feel a sexual attraction until you form more of an emotional attachment. So it's not like a love at first sight thing ever or a one night stand sort of thing. It's like a friends to lovers sort of thing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't agree to that right away, but you can tell in the moment that it has definitely stuck in his head and he's planning to go home and research this and go, oh, wow, I didn't know that that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't know that 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 was something that other people were too and he feels comforted because he doesn't feel like a freak anymore and also maggie just being so open and non-judgmental with him about it just really helps too <laughs> which makes a lot of sense but mm-hmm. also makes a lot of sense for him specifically because he doesn't really have anybody like that in his life he hasn't come out to anybody really because he didn't really have words for it necessarily i think he thought he was gay but he wasn't because he was still attracted to cheryl and i think he just didn't really let himself think about it too much i don't know maybe he wasn't sure what he would find but he had a pretty good idea his family wasn't gonna like it so yeah and maybe he figured well it doesn't matter anyway because i'm not really into anybody exactly Enough time has passed that Aiden's foot is better. Maggie is a little sad because they've been doing all this in-person hanging out and now she's used to him, damn it. And now they won't be hanging out in person anymore. She's worried about that. But then she's also like, well, I guess we'll see what happens. And then Aiden shows up at her house and he's like, no, see, you can't get rid of me. (laughs) He realizes that she thought that he wasn't going to hang out with her anymore because he didn't need her help anymore. And he's like, no, I want to hang out with you anyway. But then unfortunately, we get another miscommunication because she's feeling close to him. She's feeling attracted to him. She thinks maybe she's going to try to kiss him. And then at the same moment, he asks her to go to that wedding with him. (laughs) Awkward. And then she's beating herself up over this almost kiss that he maybe didn't even notice because he had already come out to her about like his sexuality and all this. And she's like, I don't even know if he's into that. Like, am I forcing myself on him? Am I being like, Deb, this is awful. (laughs) And so because of that, she says she can't go to the wedding But he is now double thinking the fact that he asked her to go to the wedding because he just told her he can still be her friend without needing her help, but then immediately asks for her help again. Hmm. (laughs) So now he goes out with Riley again. They go out drinking and Riley really pushes Deb too. He's like, maybe you should just ask Deb. She'd totally go with you it'll be great. Aiden's like, well, I don't want her to be upset or have any expectations. Riley's like, well, good luck with that, buddy. (laughs) Deb shows up there and he has a conversation with her. Deb mentions that, oh yeah, your mom mentioned you were looking for a date 
to the wedding and I could go with you if you want. And Aiden is thinking, okay, well, maybe this is fine, but he wants to be honest with her. And he says, I don't want to lead you on. I'm not interested in dating anyone. It's literally not you. It's me. But Deb does not believe him and insists that he must be in love with Maggie. She runs off. She's all pissed. But that makes Aiden start thinking, oh, you know what? She has a point. I am actually attracted to Maggie. I actually (laughs) have feelings for Maggie, (laughs) which kind of makes sense. He's developed that emotional connection. He's got that close friendship. And now he feels the sexual attraction, too. I, I don't know. Yay. Four days of radio silence have passed between Maggie and Aiden. He had texted her an apology about asking her to the wedding, and she really hasn't responded to him. She's just worried about it, sad about it. She gets a call from Kit, who asks her about the guy she's dating that he's apparently heard from his friend's mom, Deb. (laughs) Maggie's like, no, (laughs) we are not dating. We are friends. It is complicated. I don't know what's going on. Stop asking me these questions, please. Kit says, it's okay if you date. I'm okay with it, mom. And she's like, thank you, but I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. She really likes him. She's super into him. And she doesn't see how she could make the moves on him in any way without feeling like she's pressuring him or potentially hurting him or ruining their friendship. Now we're at the wedding and Aiden has gone solo. It's actually not the wedding yet. It's the rehearsal dinner. It's not going well. <laughs> oh, a lot of things in Aiden's life are not going well. <laughs> okay. It's just a big old mess. He's sitting at a table. There's Davy, there's Cheryl, there's his mom and Aiden. And doesn't that sound like a lovely bunch of people? Mm-hmm. The mom is like, oh, ha ha ha. Remember we made a deal. No date, no deal. I don't have to talk to you about any of those things that you want to talk about. And you have to let me drive now. And she's super rude and horrible about it. Honestly, that sounded so juvenile to me. Seriously? But then also there's like a hint of maybe senility too, because she says, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kick you out of my house. And Aiden says, but I don't live with you. And then she looks kind of confused. Yeah. But that doesn't really make it okay. No. No. We learn... At this point, because he's thinking about it now after dealing with more of his mom's bullshit, that she knew about his relationship with Jordan. And this is one of the reasons she's pushing so hard for him to date Deb. (sighs) Because God forbid one of her children is gay. Oh, no. Why are people so intent on labeling him anyways? I don't think he really labels himself Or does he, by the end, maybe call himself bi? I'm not sure. But he hasn't even figured himself out at this point. He hasn't been able to come out to his family at all. And I don't know that he would have wanted to. He got outed by fucking Cheryl. Yeah, because isn't she a peach? Yeah. When they got back together and he told her about his relationship with Jordan, she outed him to everybody. 
because she's so mad and she's still mad at him. She takes it personally, so personally, like he's doing it to her, like he somehow injured her. Yeah, it's creepy. I really struggled with understanding her mindset. Like, I believe that people might think that way. I hope not many do, because it's pretty fucked up. But she's decided that, okay, well, he's gay, and he's lied to me, and everything is a sham, and I'm going to out him to everybody, and it's his fault. Everything is his fault. My life with him could have been perfect, except he had this relationship with a man. (laughs) How dare he? And then weirdly, like, she tries to create that life with his brother. That's concerning. Yeah, I just don't get that at all. Cheryl and Davy are about the same age. She's a little younger than Aiden. Davy, I guess, has always kind of been into Cheryl. So he and Cheryl got together and Aiden was fine with it, I think, by the time they got together. But Davy still tolerates the fact that she's acting that way and doesn't set any boundaries on behalf of his brother either. So he's kind of a shitty brother. Yeah. It's just shitty all around. Okay. He blows off his family at the table and goes off and he's like, I really want to talk to somebody. I really need to hear a friendly voice. And he decides he's going to call Maggie and she answers the phone. They agree to stop being weird. And then they talk about basically nothing and it's wonderful. And then she finally asks him about the wedding and he says, oh yeah, it's the rehearsal dinner tonight, but he sounds like he's not doing well. And so she tells him, okay, just spit it out. Tell me what's going on. So he tells her the rest of the story about Cheryl, (laughs) the horrible breakup, essentially, and how Cheryl is so mad that he didn't, quote, disclose, unquote, his relationship with Jordan to her. Maggie, protective mode just comes over her. She's protector woman. Mm -hmm. And she goes, okay, well, for fuck's sake. Where are you? Give me the name of your hotel. I'll be there. You got a date after all. (laughs) (laughs) So now it's the next day and it's an hour before the wedding and Aiden is waiting for Maggie to show up and he's kind of worried she maybe changed her mind or whatever. Riley is there hanging out because of course he is. He's always there. Yep. Being a dude, bro. You know, he ends up being a decent friend, though. He's, like I said, he tries. Yeah, I mean, considering who else he has in his life besides Maggie. Yeah. Um. But anyway, they're hanging out. All of a sudden, Maggie shows up, but she's not wearing her baggy, unkempt clothes anymore. Her hair is styled. She's wearing a pretty dress. She's got makeup on. She looks hot. And Riley... Is like, oh, wow. (laughs) Wait, you're the same person? How is this possible? Witchcraft. I love this part of the book because Riley says something like, oh, is this because of Aiden, right? You are in love with Aiden. So you went and got a makeover and everything. And she looks at him and she says, quote, here's the difference between you and me. I always knew I could look like this. (laughs) just because i don't put in this kind of work every day doesn't mean i can't for fuck's sake (laughs) and then riley says but if you could look like that why the hell wouldn't you (laughs) (laughs) and she says 
If you can't handle me in sweatpants, you don't deserve me in stilettos. That's fair. (laughs) Which I fucking loved. Hell yeah. So with that, she dismisses Riley and she asks Aiden, okay, what are we doing here? Am I your friend? Am I your fake girlfriend? Like, what is going on? And Aiden says, oh, let's just be honest. You're my friend. She's like, okay, cool. Oh, oh, there is one thing, though. Like, (laughs) he does say, like, oh, I don't know if you could pretend to be my girlfriend anyway or something like that. And she's all, I pretended to be happily married for years. I could certainly pretend to be in love with you for a night. (laughs) so many great lines in this part of the book yeah it won't be a hardship you're fine plus she's basically in love with him anyway exactly not a hardship all right she gets to meet the family super fun lucky her davy seems pretty cool about it i think he's genuinely kind of happy for his brother the mom is horrible this isn't who you're supposed to date. You're supposed to date Deb, the woman I handpicked for you. <laughs> and Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl. She leans over and says to Maggie, Oh, so he's told you he's gay, right? <sighs> and Maggie. Oh, she's a fucking Valkyrie. Yep. She flies into action. She really does. She's she's going to launch herself over the table and beat Cheryl. Like, she's ready to stab her with a fork. Yeah, when she was, like, taking off the earrings, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been additionally concerned if it was like, and then she took off her shoes. I'd be like, oh, hell. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Aiden luckily figures it out and catches her before she can launch. <laughs> Before she gets air. (laughs) Yeah, prevents this tragedy from happening. (laughs) But then she verbally eviscerates Cheryl instead, makes her cry. It's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Aiden's trying to talk her down like, it's okay. It's fine. Like, I'm used to it. Maggie says, quote, it's not okay. This woman has been bitching since I sat down making snide remarks and I took it, but it's been over a decade and now she's acting like you did her wrong just because you had a relationship she didn't like years before you got back together with her. And then Cheryl says, he lied. And Maggie says, he didn't tell you. And seeing the way you're acting, I don't blame him. Yep. Maybe you should have disclosed just how queerphobic you were. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So good. You're not the victim, sweetie. So she and Aiden dance and Maggie says to him, oh, wow, you're taking this really well. (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Aiden is more than okay because someone had his back. He's like, no one has ever stood up for me like you have. I, I just can't believe this. Yeah, I feel so supported and cared for and wonderful. And then he asks if he can kiss her. And she says yes. Yay. They decide to adjourn to his hotel room so they can have a talk. (laughs) I mean, they do have a talk, but they also have the sex. It's not penetrative sex because no condom. But in this book, they refer to it as the sex. So I'm going to continue to refer to it as the sex. And to be fair, penetrative sex is not the end all be all of sex, even though it often is in a romance book. Yep. And it's wonderful, of course. 
obviously. She spends the night in his room, and then they leave separately. Aiden's drive home with his mother is super fun. Just constant bitching the whole time. I guess for some reason his mom thought that if Aiden got together with Deb, then Deb and Cheryl would have been friends and things would have been fine. But Maggie just isn't the right personality to handle that sort of situation or something. It was really messed up. Yes. Not only that, but Aiden calls his mom out on maybe being racist. Like, is it because Maggie is Asian? And his mom, of course, denies. But I kind of wonder. Yeah, I did too. And then he brings up, plus I'm sick of hiding who I am. And his mom says, don't you dare. And then he says, don't what? Don't tell people I'm bi. Don't let anyone know I was in a relationship with a man. For God's sake, mom, I'm 50 years old and still in the closet. And then his mom has the gall to say, but Deb will never date you if she finds that out. And then everyone will know. He's like, I don't want to date Deb. I want to date Maggie. I don't care what Deb thinks. And then his mom's like, but you're supposed to be gay, I thought. Like, you said Maggie was your friend. Somehow she's fine with the fact that you were with a man. He's like, (laughs) I'm not discussing my relationship with Maggie with you. This isn't something that we're negotiating. Yay, boundaries. And then he finally, 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 it all comes to a head because he's realized it. And now he's going to tell his mom the same thing. It's not his fault that there's issues between him and cheryl it's cheryl's fault yes it's not bad to be by it's not a crime no it is not so aiden tries to change the subject like all right well what about christmas do you need me to drive you to davies for christmas you know obviously i'm not welcome there because cheryl but etc etc and then oh plus you agreed to have that conversation about the medical power of attorney and the car and whatnot and his mom says no i'm not going to have that conversation with you so she doesn't keep up her end of the deal she had no intention of doing that no she says well if you had just settled down with deb then maybe it'd be different but you couldn't even do that for me you're the reason i'm not behaving correctly and honoring my deal your fault and so then she says you want to be this whatever the hell you are want to boss me around then you don't have to be in this family so she basically disowns him at that point aiden puts up a little bit of an argument he's like well dad was even okay with it before he died and she's like he was dying who knows what he was thinking (laughs) she says She doesn't want to hear from him until he snaps out of whatever the hell's gotten into him. (laughs) And he's like, fine, fine. Of course he goes to Maggie. She's his safe place. Yes. (laughs) And she's happy to see him. And he tells her he got disowned and she's like, oh, that sucks, you know, but they're together and it's okay and it's good. And they have more sex, of course, because why not? Why not? So the next morning, he gets up before Maggie and starts making pancakes and is surprised by Kit, who has come home to see his mom. And also, Santa? Kit's dad. 
<laughs> you just had to sneak it in there. I did. Also, Kit's dad, who we all love. So yeah, there's this fun little tense moment where Maggie is there and realizes that Kit has been talking to his dad and not telling her about it, which he didn't tell her because I think he was protecting her. You know, he didn't want her to feel hurt or something. And then it comes out that apparently Kit had been more social in school than he let on because he was worried about his mom and pretending to be antisocial to make her get out more. It's just this whole thing. She ends up having a conversation with her ex. It goes okay, I guess. I mean, it's not a great resolution. We learn that the ex reached out to his son when he found out that his new fiance was pregnant with a baby. With a daughter. Yeah. I only get one son. So fucking gross. Yep. But Kit's an adult and he can have a relationship with his dad if he wants to. Yep. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. It's very messy. It's just a real life sort of situation. Aiden isn't there for that conversation. He wants to stay, but Maggie says she can handle it on her own. And so he leaves. He trusts her to let him know if she needs him. Aiden hears from Davy saying, oh, mom called me and she said she's cutting you out of the will. And what is going on between you two? And then Aiden is like, dude, she's your problem now. I don't know. I'm not her kid anymore. So. Have fun with that. Remember when I told you that the shit was going to hit the fan? (laughs) Feel the splatter. He also says something, I think it's at this point, where he says something about how, you know, it's pretty fucked up that you let Cheryl act this way toward me this whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. Davey convinces him to come over, though. I guess he and Cheryl are over at the mom's house, and Davey wants... Aiden there for backup and Aiden's like okay I guess but when he shows up Davy's brought a new car for the mom and the mom is just gloating and she tries to reason with him and say <laughs> I'll reason with him she says to him well it's okay if you still see Maggie but no one needs to know about the other thing and Cheryl you need to keep it quiet too Dude, realize you do not have control. Let go. Aiden's like, yeah, no, that's that's not happening. I'm gonna just be out about who I am. And it's fine. And if you don't like it, sucks to be you. Exactly. So he leaves and Davy like follows him out of the house. And Aiden's like, look, mom is a biphobe and a hypocrite. And she treats me like shit. And you want me to just deal with it anymore? No, I'm not going to. Screw that. <laughs> yep. And so he basically, he he says goodbye to his mom, essentially. He's like, well, you deserve to be treated with respect, but so do I. And if you can't give that to me, we're done. Yep. He asserts himself. They both have their hard conversations with their respective families slash ex-families. Then they get back together and are there for each other. And they finally share the I love you's. And then Aiden says, you know, I've been thinking about moving away at some point, but 
I want to be with you and I'm willing, I don't want to leave you. And so they agree that they're going to be together. And then we have a nice scene where they're celebrating Christmas together at Maggie's house with Kit. And it's very sweet. He gives Maggie like the perfect gifts for her socks and movies that she likes and whatnot. Kit gives his tentative approval. But he does feel a little protective of his mom, of course. And then Aiden gets a call from Cheryl, who sort of apologizes a little bit, and but not really. <laughs> She's like, yeah, so I experimented in college, too. I did drugs and stuff. I thought I was being punished for my past when you came out to me. Because it was all about me. And then she says, can you please just tell Davey I apologized? Can you tell him yourself? Can you tell him yourself? Is he taking your call? <laughs> That's what he says to her. He says, <laughs> tell him yourself. See how that goes. And then we get an epilogue three and a half years later. They are married. They're living in a new town. They're happy. They're the quintessential gamer couple. And things are good. Yay. And that's the end. That end bit is so hard. Like, there's so much that goes down in, like, the last couple chapters. It's just, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it is kind of packed. And I feel like there isn't, like, a ton of resolution either. We get a resolution with the couple. You know, obviously, they're happy and together. We get a bit of a resolution with Kit. And I guess really with the whole thing with Maggie's ex, but as far as Aiden's family goes, it's just messy and it ends messy. Yeah. It's not really a criticism, I guess, because it does seem like he's just kind of written them out of his life before the epilogue. And then in the epilogue, there's no mention of them, which would make sense if you've written them out of your life and then three and a half years have passed. I guess you're probably not thinking about them. Yeah. So maybe that is the update on the family. He's no longer in touch with them still. Yeah, I got the impression that they're just not there for him. Yep. Maybe his brother. Maybe. I could see like way farther down the line, like his nephew and nieces and brother. But yeah, he's like, no, the cost is too high. <laughs> the cost to my emotional and mental well-being is too high. Well, and were they ever there for him anyway? It doesn't sound like it. No. It's not unrealistic, but it's sad. It is sad, but he seems happier, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he made the right choice. <laughs> Definitely. Well, how was the audiobook? Uh, the audiobook was narrated by Chris Brinkley and Elise Den, and I feel like they were the characters. Like, it was really well cast. Nice. And I like their performances. And just in case you're curious, Chris Brinkley does a lot of narrating for Penny Reed, like the Winston Brothers oh. series. Okay, cool. So I was like, hey, I know that voice. <laughs> Are you happy for their happy? I am happy for their happy. They feel comfortable with each other. Very soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur, like, you know. <laughs> I think good things will happen for them in the future. What about you? I agree with you. I'm very happy for them. I think most of the angst and struggle and stuff in this book 
comes from outside factors mm-hmm. and not really from within the couple at all. I was thinking that we might have some more struggle with the mistaken identity slash age gap, but we didn't really. They were just like, oh, I was wrong. Okay, moving on. And <laughs> yeah. And then pretty much ever since then, they were just good. They were good friends. We got a lot of relationship building time. I don't know that I'd call it couple time because they're friends through most of the book. But when they do finally decide they're going to make a go of it, it feels natural. Yeah. And it seems like a logical, natural progression for them. And I think they'll be good together. So let's rate them individually. (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. How do you rate Maggie? I rated Maggie awesome. She starts the book very cut off from the world, hiding, and she bravely steps forward. She's an avenging angel when necessary because of the no fucks given. Yeah. She's not like, oh, what will people think of me? She doesn't care. She's like, no, you're behaving poorly, and I'm going to tell you about it. Yep. No, I thought she was great. What about you? I rate Maggie awesome as well. I really enjoyed her character. I love the Bogwitch persona that she has. I love that it hides her tender underbelly, and I love that she allows that side of herself to come out with Aiden and, I mean, obviously her son. It just shows that, you know, she's open with the people she cares about and everyone else can die in a fire. And, you know, that's kind of something I can relate to sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Is that too, is that too real? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, I just, I think she had a really good character arc and I did enjoy that she allowed herself finally to heal from her prior relationship and i think that was a big part of it for her that yeah she was just so closed off uh from experiencing that sort of love or relationship again because it hurt her so badly how'd you rate aiden i rated aiden awesome he unfortunately kind of starts off the book like no offense dude but a little bit of a doormat <laughs> yeah But he learns to assert himself, and I think that's great. He establishes the boundaries, and, you know, he's in a happier place in the end. It's like, yes, yes, Maggie did help, but in the end, the stand was his, and he took it. Yeah. I don't know what this says. But I feel like this has been a very long time since I've rated both heroes awesome. I seriously cannot remember the last time that has happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. What about you? I loved Aiden. I rate him awesome. I think Yay. he's a great character. I agree. He was a bit of a doormat at the beginning, but There's what choice did he have, really? He yeah. didn't know better. He had everyone who was supposed to care about him tell him that he was fucked up. And he just kind of internalized that. And then when he had a friend who was willing to stand up for him... He realized that maybe he could stand up for himself. Yeah. And I just think that's great. And then once uh, they have that conversation about his history and his sexuality and everything, and he has different words to look into, different things to look up, it kind of opens a whole new world for him because he realizes, oh, oh, 
I'm not fucked up. This is okay. This is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other people are like this too. I think that gave him the final push to be able to stand up for himself, and he does such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed his character arc. What about the villains? So, on the villain list, I have Maggie's <laughs> ex, <laughs> Travis, who, he was probably one of the least effective, quote-unquote, antagonist villains for me, just because he doesn't show up until the very end. And there's also Maggie's grandma. She was effective in spirit, and I felt like certain things in the story sort of may have reinforced why Maggie was that way and why there were those certain obstacles for her. And then there's, I put Deborah because she is antagonistic, but like I said, I would just feel so bad for her. So limited effectiveness. I would have liked a little more growth for her. And I, which I don't know if this is going to come into a series, but I hope she gets her own book and she gets some happiness and realizes that she doesn't have to do what she was doing. Yeah, I think Deb was the only villain who was redeemable. Yeah. And where it's like, I have to make sure everybody's having a good time because what that says about me, it's like, no, no, you don't. Lead a horse to water. You don't have to do this. So yeah, I put patience on the list as well. And I put limited because I, I don't know. She's one of those characters that is enjoyable to read about. <laughs> Yeah. I, I enjoy having characters like that. It's like, oh, she's terrible. But in real life, ooh, no thank you. And then Aiden's just entire family, with the exception of his nephews and nieces, they were effective. They were, all of these antagonists felt realistic to me, which I thought was great. Uh, what about you? I think your list is pretty much spot on. Ooh, go me. Those were all the same people on my list. I disagree about the ex-husband, though. I feel like he was pretty effective. Okay. He doesn't show up till the end in person, but he's there in spirit throughout the whole story. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I think it, I found him very easy to dismiss in my head, but that's probably because uh, that's yeah. my head. <laughs> and then uh, Maggie's grandma. Yeah, she's something. Yep. Deb, I think, was probably the only antagonist who could possibly be redeemed. I hope she gets to be. In this book, at least with the information we have. Yeah. But I feel she was pretty effective as well. I thought she really was useful as a character to show how much of a doormat Aiden was and how much he was in need of someone telling him that boundaries are okay. Yeah. I think it wouldn't have felt as dire for Aiden if we didn't have that football party scene at his house. Yeah. I think it just showed how bad it was because not only was he taking shit from his family, but also from random church lady that his mom knows. I would be interested to know what her perspective, like, how desperate, I don't know, maybe this is a poor interpretation, but I sort of interpreted her acts as, like, exceedingly desperate, and like, why is she that desperate? <laughs> what is going on in her head? It did come off really desperate. And so I'm curious. And then the mom, 
Aiden's mom must have really built up this whole thing in her mind, too, because she acts like a jilted lover when he tells her he doesn't want anything with her. Like, he doesn't want a relationship with anyone. Well, I wonder if, like, the mindset is, like, that's maybe the first guy that she either thought she had a chance with or was interested in since the divorce. Maybe. And so it's, like, divorce part two. She's like, this is my marriage salvation. This makes it all worth it. Because I think at one point she mentioned something about, like, Aiden catching her eye, like, even when she was married. Yeah. Which I don't know to what extent, but you know she was like attractive or so i forget the extent because i think that's when patience points out like weren't you married yeah i was like oh there's patience stirring the pot yes <laughs> <laughs> which made it interesting but yeah it's like eek. i'm both interested in her mindset and just wishing that she has a growth journey <laughs> right <laughs> I also agree about Patience. Obviously, she was an amusing character to read, but she <laughs> sounded like someone I did not want to know in real life. And then Aiden's whole family. Um, Davy, <laughs> I think, was especially like a tricky sort of antagonist in the story because mm. he rides that line between oh no we're brothers but i expect you to do it all for me and fix it all and i'm actually not going to put forth any effort and yeah yeah i want you to be the bad guy so <laughs> i can stay the good guy that's what yeah, i was and he's very wondering. much the little brother that didn't grow up i thought mm -hmm. and then of course cheryl oh she's she's lovely fucking cheryl she i think was very effective as a villain, but I think she was probably the least realistic of the villains in the story. Hmm. And maybe that's just my idealism showing. <laughs> I don't want to believe that anyone could be that fucking vindictive and selfish and myopic, you know, but hmm. uh, I think that's very sweet. It was of really you. effective. <laughs> right? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, she is horrible. Good, good villain, though. I'd love to get inside of her head, not because I think that she would have a growth journey or whatever, but I'm just like, I'm curious because I'm like, so you didn't get one brother, so you went after the other. Clearly you have a type. Or are you trying to, like, redeem? She just sounds cold to me. It was so strange because she says something to the effect of, like, when her parents come to rescue her from what her life was like oh from her experimentation which maybe she included that but i i thought i meant like the drugs i wonder how bad it got um she was saying to aiden like about them being right about it or something like and i was just wondering like wait what were they right about because <laughs> whatever it is you think that they're right about has made you into someone who is quite repellent <laughs> Or at least brought that out. Yeah. And then, of course, Aiden's mother. Mm. She is the queen of the villains. I hate her. <laughs> and for that, she's very effective. I just, I can't wrap my mind around these horrible mothers in these stories. And we got bad dad as a trope, but we also got horrible mother as a trope. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, she just hits it right out of the ballpark. <laughs> She really, really does. Just 
so concerned with appearances to the point that she's willing to try to force her kid to lie for his entire life to pretend he's something he's not so that she can be comfortable. Yeah. Complete utter bullshit. And unfortunately, I found very realistic portrayal as well, especially yeah. her queer phobia. Yeah, I think the only time she showed any concern for him was when the board fell on his foot. Yeah, that but was it. even at that point, it's more like, how are you going to do the stuff I need now? Yeah. It is all about her. <laughs> yeah, probably. I would like to think that in that split second, that was truly caring and worrying about him, but probably not. I don't think it was. I don't think she's cared for him ever, ever since he disappointed her the first time, whenever that was. It's very much that he's the scapegoat and Davy's the golden child. Very, very much. Yeah, I think you're right. And she's just horrible. Yes, which is unfortunate because if, if she actually had bothered to give a damn about Aiden, he would have totally been there for her. Yeah, because he was there for her anyway. Well, and he was there for his dad, who disliked yeah. him. And... I'd like to think that his heart turned over a new leaf. I know that's awkward, but <laughs> I, I'd i like to think that she could have. But I mean, considering how horrible she was up until that point, I would have wanted to see change before then rather than like deathbed. I was wrong. I love you. Yeah, I don't know. At the point that she's like cutting him out of her life forever, I was just like, good. Well, as soon as she was like, <laughs> I'll do what you want if you date someone. Yeah. I was just like, you are a child. Yep. <laughs> Which, that, I mean, that may be a sign of her condition, but yeah. I, I don't feel like playing that game works. Yeah. And it sounds like she was that hateful anyway. Yeah. Like pre any possible senility, you know? Yeah. It didn't seem to strike him as, as being particularly strange. So it uh -uh. makes me wonder what her mindset was before i have to give the author kudos on the development of this mother character though yeah. because she really ramps her up over the course of the story it starts out like oh just your normal nagging pushy mom and just turns into like this hateful horrible human being the true bog witch of the story yes <laughs> oh no don't take the name of bog witch <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, she, she ramps it up well to by the end where you're like, yes, Aiden, walk away. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was 100% on board with that. For your own peace <laughs> and future happiness, you have to let this go. Yep. How did you rate the book? I enjoyed the book. I gave it a four. What about you? I rated it a three. Okay. I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was super well written, but I think I just wasn't prepared for that much angst. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can do that. There was a lot of angst. And I don't think that the little summary on Goodreads let me know how angsty it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you let me down, Goodreads. <laughs> Maybe we should have trigger warned for angst. I don't know. But yeah, it's... It's a very angsty book, but minimal angst between the couple, which is nice. Yes. Just a lot of familial angst that maybe I wasn't prepared to read about. So I don't it didn't really bother me. Different readers. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially <laughs> like you said, between the couple, there wasn't. So I think that's yeah, probably why. Because if it was between everybody in the story plus in the couple, I think, yeah, that would feel a bit, a bit too much. Yeah, I think for me, I would definitely read another book by this author for sure. I thought this book was really well written, really good representation of horrible people. Super good. And I also appreciate a lot of the role reversals that the author did in this book. Yeah. You know, like the woman being the protector, the man being the one who needs help, the man having trouble setting boundaries. We had the grumpy sunshine, but the woman was the grumpy and the man was the sunshine. <laughs> yes. We had the demisexual representation, which I thought was great. You know, let's have some ace people in these books, you know, which I think is kind of hard in the romance genre. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't be, like, you can be asexual without being aromantic. So it's a spectrum. It's called a spectrum for a reason. Yes. And then also the representation of having a bi character who's a man was really cool as well. I thought that was a, a good thing to have in the genre. But it was it was nice to read about that and also the the fact that he wants to be out as a bi man, even though he's in a relationship with a woman, which is great because a lot of bi people, if they're in a straight appearing couple, <laughs> they kind of suffer from a bit of erasure. And that's not okay. It, just because you're in a couple with someone of the opposite gender doesn't mean you stop being bi if you're bi. That's true and fair. Well, did you feel romanced? Yeah, I did. I really liked the couple together. I thought they were a good fit, good match, good balance, all that good stuff. What about you? Same. Nice. Yeah, I felt like they, us. they fit together quite well. Yeah. They were the calm in the storm of their lives. Yeah, it made sense. <laughs> oh, that's so true. That's a really good <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Woohoo. That happens every once in a while. Let's attribute it to Nano. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Well, what else have you been reading? Uh, not reading, but watching. Uh, it's mentioned in the book, Arsenic and Old Lace, directed by Frank Capra. And it is one of my favorite films. I love this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm surprised I haven't made you watch it. Expect I to be too. made to watch it in the future. Um. <laughs> Go me. No, it's great. Black comedy, morbid. It's hysterical. It's got Cary Grant. He plays Mortimer Brewster. So it's Halloween and Mortimer is getting married to the love of his life, Elaine Harper. And he has literally written books about how marriage is ridiculous. <laughs> so happy wedding day. He he goes to his aunt's house to tell them all about it. And Elaine happens to be the girl next door. Uh, across the cemetery so anyways telling his aunts about it and through the story he figures out that <laughs> his dear little sweet aunties have been killing men oh my and burying them under the house oh wow and getting his brother who is named teddy now i'm unclear it's been a while i'm unclear if his name is teddy and that's why he likes teddy roosevelt and thinks he is Teddy Roosevelt, or his name is something else, and he's just like, nope, I'm Teddy Roosevelt. Anyway, they just accept it. So when Teddy sees 
one of these victims in the chairs. He's like, oh, oh no, another yellow fever victim. And then takes them downstairs <laughs> to Panama, where he <laughs> buries them. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's actually, it's legit a brilliant movie. But it's it's also funny and a little bit weird. And so brother Jonathan, who's a criminal, comes to visit. And he also has his own dead body. Of course. Because apparently that's what you do in that family. But he's he's the villain, so to speak, as opposed to the ants. Like, he's the threatening force. Okay. And so the Cary Grant's character is trying to take care of his ants, and by take care of, like, put them in a place where they can't hurt people. <laughs> okay. And his brother, Teddy, while also getting rid of Jonathan, the dangerous one, who there is running gags throughout the the film about Boris Karloff, because this story originated on Broadway, where Boris Karloff played this character, but because he was the star, the producers wouldn't let him go to the film. So they had to get another actor and dress him up as Boris Karloff. So there's all these Boris Karloff jokes. Fun. <laughs> yes. I don't feel like I'm selling this very well, but it's, yeah, it's amazing. You're selling it great. I want to watch it. Yes, for totally. I can't believe we haven't, honestly, because it's it's one of my favorite movies. Put it on the list. I will totally put it on the list. We will watch and enjoy. What about you? What have you been reading? I recently finished Berries and Greed by Lily Maine. It is a monster romance. I mm -hmm. fucking loved this book. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yay! On Goodreads, it says it's book one in a series, and I cannot wait for book two to come out. Come on, Lily Mane. Get going. I'm ready. I need it. <laughs> All right. So we have Beryl, who was basically raised in a cult that worships these monstrous creatures called the Demiurgus. Demiurgus, I don't know how to pronounce it, but apparently there's these creatures that have been living under the earth that at some point decided to join the humans up top and integrate into society. And it's all fine, guys. Everything is great. But these cult members want to be the mate of one of the greater beings, aka demi urgus demi urges i don't know and she does not believe in the cult but she grew up there and she's kind of afraid to leave now because she doesn't know how to live like a normal life you know yeah it, it's it's kind of sad and then we have greed who is one of the monstrous peoples and he is just a stoner boy that wants to <laughs> hang out at home, smoke some magical dope, and chill. But he feels lonely and he wants a roommate. And he thinks to himself, you know, there's those weird people that live on the hill that say they really like us. Maybe I'll go see if one of them wants to move in with me. Okay. <laughs> he does not realize the extent to which these people like people like him. But when he gets there, he is immediately drawn to Beryl because she's the only one who looks scowly and unhappy to see him because she's worried he's going to take advantage of these cult members. 
He ends up convincing her to be his roommate and she agrees because she's looking at it as a kind of like safety wheels, you know, out of the cult. Mm -hmm. Free place to live, someone to help her kind of get acclimated into regular everyday life and whatnot. And then from that point on, we have a nice friends to lovers. And it's just so, so good. It's so sweet. I love these characters. They are so different from other characters that I've read in this genre. Just so cute. And I just love the sweet little stoner monster that, and he's not little, but you know, the sweet cinnamon roll stoner monster that just wants a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's so good. I kind of need to reread it now. Oh, that's nice. So we need another one. Come on, Ms. Main. (laughs) Get to writing. (laughs) This one just got released in June of this year, though, so it might be a while. I'm sorry. That's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com. We've got show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. Write a review. Rate us five stars. (laughs) It makes me happy when I see the ratings, as long as they're fives. Oh, my. So, so, so if you want me to be happy, you know what to do. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> my, my mood is in your hands. Were you romanced by Maggie and Aiden's story? Let us know what you think. Join us next time when we discuss Frost by C.N. Crawford. So I have a question for you. What do you think the battle cry of the bog witch is? Not this time, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Because I feel like I feel like the bog witch has been hurt before, and so she's ready for revenge. That's fair. What, what do you think? Jeez, you think I would have written a response? Last question. Yeah, you can ask me a question like that. I know. Okay. Maybe like exasperated Tarzan side. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You know. <sighs> like I have to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> I can see that.